Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 204 with Hadley Fisher all the way from Switzerland. How are you, legend? G'day, Dale. How are you going? I'm really good, mate. Now, you do not have a Swiss accent. Let's talk a little bit about your background. You're obviously living in Switzerland. What a beautiful country. If you could pick anywhere to live, particularly in the moment, what a place to be. So tell me your background, mate. How? Give us a little paint the picture for the listeners. So I'm a typical suburban Aussie bloke. Um, born in Glen Waverley, lived there until I was 24. And uh, my mate got me into traveling the world. He said, oh, you know, let's go traveling. So we traveled around the world for a year, came back, started a career, Went travelling again, you know, it's a pretty common story for, for, for lucky people uh, in Australia. And one year, I think, yeah, 2013 it was, I was travelling in the Greek islands. I was in Crete and I was travelling by myself. And there was, um, there, was a, there was a famous hike there called the Samaria Gorge hike. And I just finished that. I was all hot and sweaty. I was looking all Australian in my singlet and my <laughs> long hair. And on the bus, on the bus, there were these two pretty, um, you know, Swiss girls who spoke great English. And you know, I started up a conversation with them. And um, it turns out one of them leaning against the window was very bus sick, and the other one was a bit more gregarious. And I started chatting up that one. And um, bus trip went for half an hour we talked about all sorts of things we talked about australian history and medicine and books and music and at the end of the night um or the end of the trip uh, invited them out to dinner one because uh, one of them was feeling a bit poorly i said no oh they said no anyway i saw them the next day on the island um we took a car together and, and went out for a drive and we got to know know, know each other and it turns out that it was the quiet one the one against the window who was sick, who turned out to be um, the one who I got, got on best with. And so we knew each other about four weeks or so. Um, then she invited me to Switzerland. Uh, because I was traveling around Europe. She said, come and meet my family. Stayed with her for two weeks with her family. And then at the end of that, we said, hmm, what now? What do we do? <laughs> I just, I just uh, agreed to start a job back in Australia. I had to go back and look after my mother who was unwell um, and Sarah was studying medicine. And so, uh, you know, it wasn't fair to drag her away from that. And we did, we did the one thing that I promised myself I would never ever do, which was a long distance relationship, <laughs> but it just seemed to make no sense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we ended up doing long distance for 17 months and uh, it was fine because in the end, you know, it was hard, but, you know, we were very lucky in that time. We got to see each other. I came to Switzerland, I think three times. She came to Australia twice and it worked. And then after that, she moved to Australia for a year to sort of try me out. She slowly got on board with test, Melbourne. Test you out, mate. And yeah. Tested me out and she, she learned what a, what, a, what a Melbourne brunch was all about and, <laughs> uh, you know, picked up smashed avo as her favourite uh, <laughs> favorite, um, breakfast. And then she went back for six months and... You know what? From the day I met her, I knew that I'd be moving to Switzerland. I told my employer this on day one, and so in yeah, it was four years ago now. So July of 2016, moved over to Switzerland with her, 
And at the time I was doing a, a master's degree. That's how you get your visa for Switzerland because we weren't married at the time. And that's, that's basically how it all turned out. I love that, mate. So have you always had that confidence? Because obviously you were the one that initiated that conversation on the bus or the train or whatever it was after your hike. Have you always sort of backed yourself in, mate? Like, because I know we'll talk about resilience agenda and the work you're doing now, but have you always had that confidence in yourself to just strike up a conversation with two lovely girls? I wouldn't say always. And I would say that it's the traveling that um that does it so i've been i've been lucky enough to go on a couple of trips overseas long trips one with a friend one by myself and you know you get lonely and so you just say hello to people and 99 times out of 100 you know there's nothing to it it's just how you going where have you been where you going you know let's go and have a drink together that's just how it is when you're traveling around europe or south america or what have you and I wouldn't say I've always had it though. I think I was shy a bit. Um, I was I was a bit sort of awkward and geeky and you know a bit overweight at school and that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I think just I mean I've always liked people, but then I realised yeah I realised that if you put yourself out there and be outgoing um, and bring good energy. I, I don't know. I must have picked that up in my early twenties. If you bring good energy, uh, people will gravitate to you, and I think mm. that's um, I think that's really handy. I I couldn't agree more. I think it's like happiness and you know kindness are contagious, and I feel energy is as well. Um, and I think putting yourself out there, traveling, like I'm a huge believer in traveling is the best way to level up or grow or learn or develop. Um, would you say that's something that you learn about yourself? Um, how to, you know, put yourself out there more through traveling and being in these different countries and different environments? Oh yeah. I was living at home uh, until I went away on the big trip and that was, I hadn't, I hadn't lived out of home. I hadn't lived in an apartment or, or with, or with other people. Um, you learn to find your own way. You learn to get yourself out of tricky situations and you learn, I think one of the cool things about travel is you learn that a problem's not a problem. It's just a, you know, a, pro- a problem is a problem when there's no answer, but you know, getting delayed or getting stuck or things not going to plan, you kind of realize, well, hang on, it's not what I wanted, but it's not the end of the world. And I'm just going to go a different way. And I think that really opened up my mindset a bit and and uh, yeah, just made me more open to experience. Hmm. I, and I, I think for people that are listening that have done a lot of traveling, then I think they can really resonate with that. And I know a lot of the places you just mentioned, you know, I've lived in those places, I've traveled all over there. And I think the greatest thing that I've ever done is been able to travel and that's when I've grown as a person. And it sounds like you've done exactly that, particularly moving out of Switzerland. So when did you realize that, you know, a nine to five job wasn't for you and that you had something more to give in the resilience agenda. Do you want to sort of paint that picture as well? Because now we know a little bit about your background and how you're in Switzerland, but how did the resilience agenda come about? Because I love this story as well. So I came back from my trips um, back in 2010, back into, you know, a challenging job market, you could say for, uh, for, for university grads. And, you know, I was lucky. I was a university grad, very, very fortunate. Um, Went into a, uh, a recruitment agency one day for a, a job in finance, which was what I trained for. And the person said to me, well, why don't you 
come and join us and be a recruiter. I had no idea what the job was. And you know, recruiters, I discovered, sort of have a bit of a bad reputation at times. But anyway, I decided, you know what? I'm going to give this a go because my one criteria for a job, it was a bit of an irrational thing, but <laughs> I don't want to look at Excel spreadsheets. And one of my friends were... <laughs> was that it? That, that was I'm, it. And one of my friends were accountants. Okay. One of my friends were accountants. They were great people, still, still great mates. But they would sit there looking at spreadsheets all day and it just bored me to tears. And so I sort of came across the, what's recruitment all about? Well, it's about meeting clients, meeting people who are looking for jobs, sort of meeting with different people and trying to put them all together and you know, making phone calls. I said, where do the spreadsheets come in? Oh, not really many spreadsheets here. So it turns out there's this job where you get to interview people and meet them and learn about their businesses and ask them about their backgrounds. It turns out I was pretty good at it because I've always been really curious. I love learning. You know, why did you take that career move? Why did you join that company? What does your company do? What's this new widget you're bringing out? And then it's just a matter of filling the gaps like a puzzle. So I did that for uh, seven years. Turned out I was, I was, you know, I was, I was good at it. And, uh, I worked for a wonderful company called Sharp and Carter for the last three years, um, where they really valued you know, human connection, values of trust and generosity, and trying to rein, reinvent the way um, this in industry was perceived. But nevertheless, there was still something about the nature of the role that um, wasn't quite meaningful enough for me. It just wasn't there. And I think from all the reading and all the YouTube videos that I'd watched, I think I had bought that line that is so common these days of, well, you've got to find your passion. You've got to um, do something meaningful. And to be honest, I think that actually put a lot of pressure on for, 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 for quite a while. And um, because I had high expectations of myself, I was sitting there going, what am I going to contribute to the world? You know, like, how am I going to do this? I'm you know, working in a corporate. I'm not particularly driven by money, yet I'm you know, working in the corporate world. I hate corporate politics. I like speaking my mind and my opinions. You know, what am I going to do? And then I moved to Switzerland. So something comes along, you know, even like just like COVID now or any situation, you have this catalyst. And I moved to Switzerland. And at the same time, people in my life, were starting to really, I started to recognize more and realize more that people were struggling with mental health issues. I'd grown up in a family um, severely affected by it. Uh, and then I, as I joined the corporate world, I realized that colleagues, even people who you know, had it all or were you know, doing fine, deep down, you know, if you really asked them about it, they weren't. I felt, I felt like they weren't, weren't doing well. And then even some of my closest friends, people I thought I knew well, just never talked about it. And I thought, well, hang on. We've heard that mental health is becoming a big, a big thing. We've seen the great work that Beyond Blue and um, these other organisations have done to bring it to the fore. And I realised my why or my mission had been staring me in the face all this time. And I was just too ashamed to admit it because I still had internalised that stigma around well, mental health shameful. And even today, for the benefit of some people in my life, I won't be telling their stories because they might think the same way. Um, so I thought to myself, well, hang on, I'm going over to Switzerland. I'm going to do this master's degree. I'm going to consult back to my company back in Australia, but I'm going to have a bit of time here. 
I'm going to start something mental health related. And I didn't want to just copy what Beyond Blue does because they do a great job. And what I realised that when I was talking about mental health with people, when I started with anxiety, depression, suicide, these really extreme um, sides of mental health, some people would understand, but very often people's eyes would glaze over and they just wouldn't be interested because it didn't make sense to them. And uh, I was thinking, well, what, what can we do about this? How can we make this better? How can people have my enthusiasm or interest or knowledge about it? And then one day I used this term mental fitness because I'd always wanted to do everything that I could to not experience what I'd seen people around me experience. What can I do to avoid this? And I read every book I could find for over a period of five or six years. I you know, asked mentors what they were doing. And basically I realized that there were some scientifically backed things that you could do things that were just common sense that you could do and other things that you should probably avoid if you want to manage your mental health better. And I thought, well, I've learned all this. I want to share all this information. So how do I do it? And these days, you know, the first thing you think of when you, when you want to do something is you think, oh, I'll start a blog or this is five years ago. I'll start a blog or I'll make an app or something. And well, there's, there's thousands of bloggers out there. And so I didn't want to compete with them. And, an app is expensive. If you're, ever, if you're thinking of starting an app, everyone out there, it's more expensive and harder than you think it is. So, well, I've made, really I've made over 30 of them, Hadley, and I can tell you they're very expensive, mate. So they're very expensive. <laughs> and, and I thought, well, hang on. What I want is something that will remind me or prompt me or nudge me to think and feel and act the way I really want to based on what I've learned. And... I used to buy my mum the Australian Women's Weekly Health Diary for her birthday every year. And you know, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's basically a, a paper diary. It's pink, it's got spirals in it, and it basically reminds women, you know, have this tablet for, to increase this or go and get your um, check for this at this time of the year. And I thought, I'm going to basically do that for mental health and give people the tools and suggestions that they um, might need that aren't my opinion, that are just backed by science that makes sense. And so I thought I'm going to make my own diary. And I told a few friends and they said, you're crazy. Why would you make a diary in this digital world? And for the last four or five years, it's been one of the hardest things to explain to people because the world fits into two camps those who get physical products and those who don't. And what I think I picked up pretty quickly was that physical products not only had a role to play, they were coming back. Um, Digital's great. You know, it's the content you can get online is amazing, but it's overwhelming. And, you know, someone said to me once, oh, but the information's online, so why would I buy this diary? And I said, well, but have you read it? Can you find it? And they're like, no. And so what we did was we distilled um, you know, the best ideas from positive psychology, well-being, uh, philosophy, neuroscience, behavioral science into these short little blogs in the diary and basically said, if you're going to care about your mental health and you want to put it up there with your physical health, um, you need to make time for it. You need to draw a little box and put in your yoga session or put in your phone call with a friend to connect 
or put in um, you know a journal writing session where you can you know really think about your problems or, or whatever. And we sold two thousand of them in the first year because people thought, wow, mental fitness—that's sort of a more positive way of talking about it. Great, that might inspire people. And the thing is, I was interested in talking not to the people who are genuinely struggling. Yeah, they those people are generally being looked after by psychologists and psychiatrists. I wasn't talking to people in the system. I wanted to talk to everyday people like you and I who were fine, but who had friends who were struggling or who might have struggled in the future, who just didn't really care about mental health, but who cared about health in general and they cared about fitness. And I thought if I can just expand their definition of what health means, they will start thinking about mental fitness. And that's what's happened. And so all my friends these days, they, they say, oh, Hadley, I, um, you know, I was doing some gratitude last week. Oh, yeah, and I was doing some, you know, doing some connection with a friend. And these terms from, from, our, from our diary and that you know, we, we talk about on our podcast and on our website and on our content, they're becoming mainstream. This idea of, hey, what are you doing for your mental fitness? This question people are asking each other and they're asking themselves. So we sold 2,000 diaries in 2017 or 2018, 6,000 in 2019. We sold 12,000 at the start of this year. And I think with the, you know, the understanding that people have about mental health during COVID, the fact that people want to find a way to reach out to others and they want to talk in a positive way about this important thing, you know, we've got another 15,000 to share with people this year. And... Yeah, the message is just one of awareness, hope, and inspiration in a way that hopefully bypasses stigma and inspires people into caring about their mental health rather than scaring them into it. Mm. And I, I think exactly that mental fitness, and that's, I didn't, when I got introduced to you, mate, I had no idea that the journal I've been using all year, I'm one of those 12,000 people. And I actually showed you the other week when you presented on our Healthy Minds Positive Vibes and your face goes, where'd you get that? I said, well, I actually bought it, mate. So I love the journal. And what I love about it is it's not saturated with a lot of content and they're in easy to digest, small little bits. But then if you don't want to worry about it, you can flip over a couple of pages and keep going on your journal. I think you found a really good balance. So how has the product changed from that first year when you released you sold 2,000. Obviously, it's built every year, and that's a sign of good product. But um, how much has it changed from the first one to what you're bringing out for 2021? Sure. Well, it's certainly um, <laughs> it's available in five colors now. Uh, the, first <laughs> one, the first one we brought out was black. And I think that reflects its founder. Not that I was bleak or black or anything, but um, just that, hey, I'm a guy. What's a color for a journal? Black. That was the <laughs> color it is. And it's, you know, this is, if you've got anyone in, in business listening to your podcast, you know, they talk about design thinking and understanding your customer. This is why you got to understand your customer because <laughs> it turns out probably two thirds of our customers are women, maybe more. And some of them said, hmm, a black mental health journal. So, um, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what we need when I need to cheer up. And I thought, <laughs> Oh, I didn't think of that. And, and so, um, yeah, we brought out a bright orange one or a pink one and, yeah, and purple and they started to sell better. Um, so 
Where, where, where was I going with that? Um, oh, what's changed? Yeah, so they're, they're available in the more color. colors. The color's changed. Um, <laughs> I think also, rather than just introducing the topic of, of mental health, we've actually, you know, there's, you know, there's more graphics now. It's easier to sort of follow the flow of it. Um, and I think what we've really done well is we've got each month, there's these three make it happens, which is basically, okay, you've read two pages of, of basic, basic, but hopefully insightful content that introduces a topic. So for example, in the diary that's coming out, there's a chapter on mindfulness. Now everyone's heard of mindfulness, but they're probably a bit put off by it. Or what does it actually mean? How do I actually get started? What do I do today? Or gratitude, oh, it sounds so airy fairy, but what does that actually mean in practice? And so we have these three make it happen steps where we say, if you just want a very light, easy introduction to this topic, think this occasionally, or read this from now from time to time. And then there's one that sort of requires a bit more of a reworking or a bit more sort of effort. And then the step three, which is basically, hey, I can allocate half an hour to this a week. I'm going to sit there and write in my journal. I'm going to um, you know, sit there and, uh, and, and call a friend or whatever it might be. And it's just these reminders to build them into habits. Um, and I think that's the, I think that's the, that's, that's another of the big changes that we sort of share more information now about how to incorporate it into a busy life. And we sort of empathize with people and say, yeah, there's always things, a lot of people know a lot of this stuff that they should or could be doing it. And I just got a, a bit of feedback from someone just yesterday. They said, I love the way your diary introduces mental fitness. It doesn't go on with any of this, oh, whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger nonsense. That was their quote. And if you think about it in the context of COVID, it's very easy to say, oh, suck it up and just sort of move on. But that's not how it works. You need to sort of get to the survival point of COVID or to get through it, or to, you know, to get over, not, not get over it, but get through it. And I think that's a key point. You, you've got to get through the challenge, not get over it or get around it. And, um, you know, part of it is about identifying what stands in the way of, you know, in the words that you use, happiness and play and kindness and, and, and compassion, what gets in the way of that. And then, tackling those issues head on. So I think we're just, we're just getting better at that um, as well. Mm. And, and as I said, mate, I really like it. And I think the, it's all well and good to have the stats and facts and all these figures, but if people don't know how to implement or to actually do it, then it's a bit of a waste of time. And I sometimes, I love academics and I love the research they bring out, but I can listen to them. I'm, that sounds wonderful, but actually how do I implement that? How do I get the benefits from that? And I think that's what you've done really well. So firstly, mate, Get on board, and I'll have links in the show notes for next year's journal because I know you can get in early and you've got a discount at the end, so stay listening. But secondly, I want to know, what have you noticed about yourself? Have you grown from the process of starting this and the mental fitness journey and um, you know helping so many people? What have you learned about yourself, Hadley? I've learned that it's okay to not know how you're going to get where you're going to go. It's okay as long as you have a rough idea of where you want to go and what you want to achieve. The how is, is a byproduct. 
And I guess the other thing is for someone who's dreaming up a business who might be listening to this or who has an idea, but they're not sure whether it's going to work or whether it's big enough. Um, you don't need to know all the answers because things come along that are catalysts to your business. So for example, we make diaries and a few of our corporate customers who buy, you know, a hundred or 200 for their, for their staff said to me, Hey, can you um, just sort of come and chat to us for an hour and entertain an audience about or inspire an audience for an hour about mental health? So I've been invited to London, to Zurich, to Dubai, to talk about the contents of the diary. And I never thought that I had the confidence to be a, you know, an engaging public speaker, but that came after the, you know, getting started. And when people, when people say, oh, you know, just get started and put yourself out there, it all sounds very motivational and people think, oh, you know, does that apply to me? It's very easy to, to, to look at something on YouTube and, um, and doubt whether, whether that applies to you. And it can be all a bit rah, 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 rah. But I think I'm starting to understand what they mean by just do it because um, you put yourself out there and you'll get introduced to someone who will introduce you to someone else and you'll learn a new idea. And, you know, um, well, I've had people writing to me saying, Hey, your diary saved my life or your diary helped me have this conversation with a friend um, that, you know, um, kept them safe, et cetera, et cetera. Or this inspired me to you know, change my life and what have you. And if I hadn't have just printed a, you know, clunky black diary two years ago, <laughs> that wouldn't have happened. Uh, if I had have needed a perfect solution straight away, it wouldn't have happened. And so the idea that things just get a bit better over time and that you don't have to know, you know, the, uh, the answer. I mean, when I, look, when I look forward now, I think five to 10 years in the future, I think what does the future of the of resilience agenda look like? I don't know. <laughs> you know, they always talk about you know having a, a strategic plan. I don't know, but what I did know was that the world hasn't had an emerging mental health crisis of sorts. I didn't know that a pandemic would come along, but I did predict that there would be a catalyst of some sort that would make our message more and more relevant. I didn't realise it would come in this way, um, and so yeah, that that's what I've learned that. You don't have to know the end goal. You just have to know the direction you're going. So for example, if you want to start a, a cafe at the moment, write down, this is what my cafe is going to look like. It's my dream cafe. You know, and, and obviously right now is potentially a, potentially a great time, but also potentially a terrible time to start a cafe. This is what my cafe is going to look like. Try and work backwards, but realize that you don't have to start thinking about your second or third cafe just yet. You don't have to start realizing that your cafe could become, you know, a retail outlet down the track, you know, and there's always different things that you know, don't matter just yet, but that just emerge. And uh, if you think about it, you know, a lot of big businesses, they, they're not doing what they started doing. They just sort of figure it out along the way. And yeah, um, I think that's, I think that's, that's a big one. Have the confidence or find the confidence to, to figure it out along the way. Cause these days well, I wake up every morning and come to work, sit down at my desk and I have no idea what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be solving problems that I didn't expect. You know, at the moment we're designing a new coffee brand. Um, we should be, we should have a new, um, this is the first time I'm actually mentioning this. Oh, we're bringing out a, 
we're bringing out a connection edition coffee uh, coffee brand, um, basically, so that when you have your morning ritual of having a coffee at home, you'll be you know prompted to connect with another person or to ring them up or to do something for your mental health. Um, we're partnering up with a with a with a with a well known Melbourne roaster, and I don't know I don't know how to make a coffee brand, so I'm figuring out as I go. Someone said to me at the start of the year, hey, um, bring out a podcast. Do that. And so, you know, you, yeah, you just you figure it out. And um, you just need the confidence to, to know that you, you can figure it out. And there's people out there to help. The internet's got a lot of answers. And if it doesn't work, well, it's not the end of the world. Mm, mate, and I just sitting here, I was smiling because I, I can resonate with everything you said. You've just got to start and you do not need a bit like, I know people say you've got a business, but I've never done one. And I don't know why you would, because I think that's really slowing you down from the potentials of where things could go. If you just keep creating, meeting, connecting, sharing, giving it your best, the world really opens up. And I think particularly now we're seeing with the world we live in, Hadley, that you've got so many new opportunities and the internet is so powerful that you're in Switzerland, I'm in Melbourne. We're having a great conversation here. You can do that with anyone around the world. And like you've said, you've started a podcast. So um, was that two-part question? Starting your business, were there any limitations or things that once you had the idea to create a journal, to get it out there, that diary, was there anything that really slowed you down? And second part, podcasting, what have you learned from doing that? Because I feel podcasting has developed me, and I speak about this a lot, has developed me in ways I never would have thought, and it's opened up so many connections. So hopefully remember those two parts, mate. But what barriers were there with starting the diaries to start with, and what have you learned from podcasting? Yeah, sure. So there's a quote in a, in a book called The Obstacle is the Way. Do you know that one? No, I don't, no by a guy called Ryan Holiday, a young guy. And he um, writes about this ancient, um, it's not a religion, it's a philosophical worldview called Stoicism. And Stoicism gets a bad name because people think that it's unemotional, you know, sort of you know, like a cow getting rained on in, the, in, the, in, the, uh, in, in a field. But Stoicism is this really rational um, method of thinking about the world that just makes sense. And so he wrote a book about it called The Obstacle is the Way. And he said, whatever is slowing you down, whatever looks like um, being you know, the problem for you is the answer. And, it's, and what I mean by that is my business is 95% in Australia, but I'm in Switzerland. <laughs> you know, there's things that I can and can't do that... Um, but because of that distance. And so one thing that I, one, one of the reasons why we were able to adapt pretty well to COVID was because I've been working remotely, managing a warehouse, managing three contractors, managing customers for the last three or four years. And so when, you know, the um, people started inviting me to, to talk and do online seminars, it was very easy. It wasn't such an, it wasn't such an adjustment. And so the question there is what thing that seems like an insurmountable obstacle is actually, what is good about that and how can I use it? So for example, I didn't have a lot of money to start the business in the first place. So I thought, okay, I've got no money. In which case I'll have to do a small order of, uh, of stock, in which case 
if I fail, it doesn't really matter because I won't lose that much. And that allowed me to do a small start. We sold 2000 in the first year. I learned so much. One of, one of the things was don't build too many black diaries. Um, <laughs> you know, if I had, a, if, if I had a brought out 10,000 diaries and I had all the money in the world, I would have printed 10,000 black diaries that didn't sell. And I probably would have failed and I would have given up. So, of course, there are legitimate challenges, but you know, I think it's really helpful to ask yourself, in what way is this obstacle a benefit to me? The, the, the negative of it is obvious. I mean, it's an obstacle. But in what way can I benefit from this? And I think that's, that's probably the thing that I've learned the most. Second question about podcasting. Um, just remind me about what the actual question was again. What have I learned about it? Or? So obviously, you know, people, and I, I think lately since COVID started, Natalie, and <clears throat> this year, I've never seen so many new podcasts pop up. And it's a great opportunity, great way to connect. But what have you learned personally from starting a podcast? Because it's actually a really simple thing to do. It's not that hard to do. But then to lock in guests, chat to new people, um, the skills you learn from hosting and running virtual interviews. Um, what have you learned about also podcasting, about yourself from the whole process? Yeah. So first of all, I believe there are about 500,000 podcasts in the world. And I believe there's about 20 million blogs. And as a business owner, and just as a person generally, I've always liked to do something that's a bit different just because I don't want to get caught amongst what everyone else is doing. And podcasting is now where blogging was 20 years ago. It's at its infancy. And because I've done interviewing in my job, because I have been a public speaker, um, you know, I think I'm reasonably engaging in a podcast and I love asking questions. And the great thing about a podcast is you've got all these uh, brilliant people out there who, if you're lucky enough to get them on your show, you can ask them exactly what you want to know. And so <laughs> even so if no true. one... Well, even if no one actually listens, which probably makes it hard to get you know, guests, but if no one actually listens, <laughs> I'd be sitting there asking brilliant people what I want to know. For example, my first podcast, I reached out to this um, world-famous, well-known business coach called Michael Bunting, and he spoke to us for 45 minutes about the essence of mindfulness. He just demystified it. It was great. And if you're listening to this, check out Michael Bunting on our Resilience Agenda Radio podcast. He basically says you can use mindfulness for calming yourself every day by noticing what you're doing. You can do tasks mindfully, like washing the dishes or having a shower or eating, or you can sit there and meditate. And he just broke it down really, really well. Our second one, we had Tal Ben-Shahar, who's a, a famous um, psychologist from Harvard University. He's written dozens of books and he, he's very smart. And he talks about the three R's of behavioral change, reminders, rituals, and repetition. So simple. And we incorporated that into our diary. Uh, then we had Nia Ayal, who's a behavioral change expert. He's a world famous author of a book called Indistractable. And in Indistractable, he says, it's not our devices that get us into trouble. It's our, um, it's our discomfort you know, of, uh, or being bored or a bit anxious. And we turn to these devices and he said, well, if you can figure out why you're getting distracted, and figure out what the opposite of distraction is, which is what you're actually going towards, which, is, which he calls traction, you will get distracted less and it's really valuable. 
we had uh, Steph Robinson on, who's the CEO of one of the, the chapters of Lifeline in Australia. And we talked about, um, we had a 20 minute role play of how to ask, are you okay? Um, you know, we, we had the campaign in September, are you okay day? But what happens if someone says, no, nah, I'm not, what do you do then? Where's the and I think, yeah. a lot of, I, think, I think a lot of people are worried about that. And we actually ran through this role play and it was, my, my, my hairs were tingling on my arm when, when we did it. And I wish everyone had listened to it. And so just these, these key takeaways, the way that these brilliant people can hit the nail on the head about a key concept is great. Um, in terms of reaching out and, and, and approaching people, when I did a lot of this was back in April, everyone was sitting at home in front of their computer and the traditional excuses just weren't as common. And plus people, like I was more open to running a podcast. I probably wouldn't have done this pre-COVID and people were more open to having me on. And hopefully as I get bigger and more, more established, um, more and more people will say, will say yes uh, to coming on. Um, but like anything in life, if you want someone to do something you want, you've got to frame it as to how it will benefit them. Would you like to come on our podcast and have us share that with our 25,000 listeners? Sorry, 25,000 supporters. We haven't got 25,000 listeners yet. 25,000 supporters. You might soon, mate. You, you 25,000 supporters for the brand. <laughs> and it's up to them whether they think that that's a large enough audience for them to share their message with or not. Yeah. Put it in their terms. And I, I couldn't agree more. And my thing is uh, that if I want to learn from somebody, I'll get them on because there's questions that I could ask them in a podcast that they'll answer. If I rang them up, if I rang you up and said, Adley, I want to pick your brain for an hour about things, you probably say, sorry, mate, we're a bit busy. You probably wouldn't because you're such a nice guy. But other people would. Some of these people on big platforms, whereas on a podcast, you can do that. And then people gravitate to you because they well, they like the questions you ask or the way you go about it. So um, where can we find uh, your new radio podcast, your diaries? Because now you're going to give 10% off for people listening today. Where is the best place, Hadley, to go if people want to check that out? Sure. So on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever your favorite platform is, you should be able to find Resilience Agenda Radio. Um, we've got a, an orange and black and white um, logo there, which, which you should be able to see. It's the Mental Fitness Podcast, but Resilience Agenda Radio. Uh, that's where you find that. Or you can listen to it on our website, www.resilienceagenda.com. You'll find our podcast. You'll find the information about our mental fitness toolkit, which is the 10 things that you can do. Uh, of all the things you could do, these 10 things are pretty important. Sleep, movement, nutrition, connection, mindset, optimism, mindfulness, gratitude, reframing perspective. Those 10 things, that'll get you 80% of the way overall mental health and well-being and also um, the background to that information is on our website so jump on the website you can put your email in for a discount on our on our, uh, on our uh, new diary we're going to be launching that in about three or four weeks plus you'll also be able to you know hear about our new coffee um, brand the thing about our diaries is even if you don't want to use one yourself they make great gifts a, we probably we probably sell over half our gifts. Corporates buy, um, you know, fifty, a hundred, or two hundred for their leadership teams or for their sales teams for their clients, and it's a great way for sales teams to engage with their customers by saying, "Hey, we care about mental health. 
let's have a conversation over this diary. Uh, schools, teachers and principals have been handing these out to their teachers and, 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 and principals so they can just, you know, have a bit of a background knowledge on some of these important principles to teach kids, especially at a time like this. And then the great thing about the diaries as a gift is it's not about, hey, I think you've got a problem, you should take a diary. It's, hey, I found this really beneficial. I'm doing all right. It's pretty cool. It's kind of like giving someone a pair of Nike shoes or a Fitbit. It's like, hey, just optimize your mental health. No matter where you start, you might have amazing mental health. Here is a way to make it even better. And it's that mindset and that um, lack of judgment about where someone is that makes the mental fitness movement so inspiring to people. And that's what we're trying to build and continue. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, your listeners and our, our supporters get behind us this year and we can go on to greater things. Aiden, and I totally agree. And as I said before, Adley, I've got the journal. I've used it from the start of the year. And it was just fate that uh, Matt Sapalo, if you're listening, thank you for the connection. Uh, when I put two and two together, I saw Hadley's email address and I looked at my journal. I'm like, wow, that is really trippy. So, mate, um, I love the journal. I love using it. I've listened to a couple of your podcasts. They're fantastic. You did an amazing presentation two weeks ago on our Healthy Minds Positive Summit 2.0. Um, and thanks again for your time today, mate. So, listeners, if you're there, go to episode 204 you can have the links for the podcast for the journals for the diaries and just to connect with Hadley and reach out and follow the great work he's doing so Hadley once again mate thank you so much for your time and um, particularly presenting on the platform and now being a podcast guest really appreciate it looking forward to partnering with you down the track thanks mate see you guys cheers mate